1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28. Um, I just think it's apropos to preach on this message at the beginning of the year. Like I said a few weeks ago, the end of the year is always kind of sentimental time for me as I look back on the year, how did I do? I'm talking about individually, how did I do? Did I, did I read the book the way I was supposed to? Did I memorize scripture the way I was supposed to? Did I, did I witness the way I was supposed to? I kind of look at my life and say, well, how can I get better? How can I do better? I look, at, look back on the year past. Then we come into January and I start looking ahead. Now, okay, now, this is a completely brand new opportunity this next year. And I want to live in such a way that when I get to December 31st of 2024, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I disciplined myself. I'm glad I've scheduled myself. I'm glad I've put myself under the yoke, which is Jesus' yoke. Remember, his burden is light, remember? Yoke's easy. <clears throat> but you need to be under a yoke or you'll just you'll wander and flit away the time and it'll be over. One thing we can't go back and do is can't go back and capture wasted years. Can't do it. They're gone. And so plan this coming year that you'll be happy when you reach the end of it for what you did for God, how you planned it, how you scheduled yourself. I encourage you to do that. The children of Israel are facing head-to-head with the Philistines. You know the guy Goliath, right? You know the story of David and Goliath. Most people do. Very famous story. Well, for, for days, Goliath had been coming out I was, I've been into that valley. How many have been in that valley where that was far? A few of you. If you go to Israel, they take you to that valley. I saw the little brook that was there and the little place he would have gotten those five smooth stones. And I saw the hill on the one side and the hill on the other side. It's not large, not, not as far away as you'd think. It had an army on one side, an army on the other side, a little brook, and then a little flat spot in the bottom of the valley. And that giant of a man, he was a, he was a, Giant of a man, trained his whole life in killing people. Massive man, <clears throat> Goliath, and he comes out there and challenges the army. Send me one of your, send me your champion over here. And basically, he shamed them day after day after day. He shamed them, but he not only attacked them; he attacked their God. He attacked Jehovah God. And he's shamed him. You know the story, and I don't need to go into it anymore. That, but that gives you a little bit of context for verses 28 and 29. Actually, verse 20, just verse 20, yeah, 28 and 29 that I want to talk about tonight. Eliab, which was David's, which is eldest brother of David, heard when he spake unto the man, that is, David was there speaking unto the man, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? <clears throat> I've had an older brother. My older brother's 10 years older than I am. And I can understand somehow an older brother will tower over you and can dominate you because they have more years on you. And Eliab, I'm sure, was, well, he was seven children away, so he was a good 10 years. A good maybe 10 years would be small, probably 12 years different between him and David. And this man was was a battle, uh, 
he was battle experience, and David was not. He says, I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down, that thou mightest see the battle. You've come down, David, you left the sheep. You should be back there taking care of the sheep. You just want to see what was going on down here. You heard rumor that there was this, this champion that the Philistines had. They were going to challenge us. Verse 29, David said, What have I now done? This, this wasn't the first time that Eliab had challenged him about and demeaned him. Now what have I done? Now what have I done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? I was following a, a vehicle, as I do most of the time, as you do, why I believe in bumper stickers, why I believe in putting something on your car for Jesus is because a lot of people are behind me. Every time I drive anywhere, I stop at a stoplight, somebody comes up behind me, you know? And so bumper stickers affect you. They're bored out of their mind. You know, they're hoping the light's not going to be five minutes. And they're sitting there reading all your stickers on the back of your vehicle. And one time I saw a vehicle and it said a ranger, an army ranger. I believe you were an army ranger. Were you an army ranger, Brother Calvert? Okay. Well, army rangers, since it's an elite group, really, of men that have to be specially trained. And it's a ranger motto. All have given some. Some have given all. I like that. I use that in various places, various things. All gave some, some gave all. As I saw this, it, it hit me because the first time I saw this was when I just got back from Hawaii and I went to Pearl Harbor. How many of you have ever been to Pearl Harbor and gone through the tours? Moving, moving, powerful tour. My dad was in Pearl Harbor as he was being shipped to Saipan, and the ships were still in the water, the oil was still in the water when he was there. They were just trying to refloat some of them and try to regroup after they'd been beaten so badly at Pearl Harbor. And so I went to, had gone to Pearl Harbor. I viewed the list of almost 3,000 names of young men who had given all for freedom that I was so casually enjoying. I meditated, and I think it's so healthy to meditate on the sacrifice and valor of people that have helped you, especially our military folks who have given everything that they have to give so that we could have meeting tonight, so that we can move about, so that we can travel state to state, so that you can fly back to your home, fly back here without worrying about being intercepted or having trouble or being bombed. I talked to some of the vets at the memorial there, because there was quite a few vets there that lived through some horrible combat. One Vietnam vet I talked to had 97 days of continuous combat. Now, Israel's coming right up on that. They're in about their 94th, 95th day. It was continuous combat. Many of those uh, they, they had mentioned to me in Vietnam, had they had hand-to-hand -hand combat, no perimeter, no perimeter. Perimeters. They, they hadn't established any perimeters around them. They had fear every night. They had horror not explainable verbally. 
I've talked to numbers of Vietnam vets as they fought through the jungle phenomenon. Another man had won the Distinguished Flying Cross for Valor. Talked to another one, and as I talked to them, all their eyes, as he began to speak of the sacrifice of their friends for them, began to fill up with tears as they began to rehearse their combat and the buddies that they knew that had given all for the cause. They had given all for the cause. It is the spirit of the cause that we're so desperately in need of as born-again believers. David's brother Eliab had focused on a petty issues uh, of his brother David, attacked his motive and his personal character. Why? Because Eliab had lost sight of the overriding cause that he was in and that was at stake. Was it really important why David had come? Why Was that important? No. Was it really important that David had left the sheep or what he did with the sheep or had he get, gotten a substitute to take care of the sheep? Was that really important when Eliab asked him that? Was it really important whether David was pride motivated and that's why he got there, why he was there? Was it really important whether David wanted to see the battle out of curiosity or whatever his reason? What had happened to Eliab? What had happened to David's oldest brother? He had lost the vision of the cause. Eliab, it won't matter who's sending the sheep if the Philistines win. Eliab, it won't matter why David came to the battle if the Philistines win. Eliab, it won't make any ma- it won't matter what motivated David to come to the battle if the Philistines win. Eliab, it won't matter if David has had pride in his desire to come or curiosity or whatever it was. Wake up, Eliab. Wake up and understand there's a cause greater than you and greater than David that needs to be answered. And for the Eliabs that may be in the sound of my voice, it doesn't matter if some folks are serving the Lord with less than perfect motivations if the lost do not get the gospel in time. I appreciate, Brother Joe, and that, that thing you throw. That's the kind of creativity of a man that understands that we're in a war for lost souls. That's the thinking out of the box. And rather than when I threw that thing, some of you thought, why, if you throw that on people's lawn, now they'll get mad at you for littering. It won't make any difference if they get mad at me for littering if they die and go to hell. You're not going to scare them into hell number two, hell number three, hell number four. They're going to hell without Christ. We need a motivation, a seriousness of the moment. Now, I'm not saying insult people on purpose. But my, oh, my, people are so... Look, if somebody... Get, when, the, when the newspaper boy... Now, many of you don't understand the newspaper boy. They about quit doing that. But they used to throw newspapers and they'd throw them through windows. I was a newspaper boy. You'd chuck them through a window or you'd, you'd, you'd put them out, out and they'd get wet or you'd throw them on, you know, in the bushes, you know, where they had to get them. They complained, but they still wanted to get the newspaper and we kept delivering the newspaper. 
People need the gospel, brother. That's a great idea. Where I live in a country where they got these mean dogs. They got those dogs for a reason, brother. They don't want you coming into their house. They don't want you even by their house. You can, you can put a dog biscuit on one of them and maybe they'd grab it and haul it into the house. <clears throat> brother Tom Cronin came up with a creative idea. One time we're going, we're doing a parade on July 4th and Tom says, can I bring dog biscuits to the parade? I'm thinking, dog biscuits to the parade? What do you want to do? He says, I want to attach a track, and I want to be able to give a dog biscuit to the dog and a track to the person who owns the dog. I says, and I got to think, I didn't even know if there were any dogs at the parade. Are there dogs at the parade? We're going to the dogs. <laughs> I believe dogs are outnumbering people right now. And I mean... I see people who love their dogs way more than they love their kids, way more than they love their wife, way more than they love their husband, way more than they love their preacher for sure. It won't make any difference what the motivation, whether they're less than perfect, if the soul dies without the gospel. It doesn't make any difference if you don't like the preacher's jokes or you don't like his personality, if people don't get the gospel before they die. It doesn't matter if you like the way things are run or you don't like the way things are run. If the lost never hear the gospel, is there not a cause? In 2024, there is a cause. There are lost people, and we've got the gospel. Grab yourself, shake yourself, smack yourself, and get yourself in a place where you are have a, a fire in your soul, a burn in your heart for the lost people that you bump shoulders with and you shop with and you buy groceries and you go to the restaurant with and you, you're around. Think about giving them a gospel track, thinking about trying to share your testimony. I went and bought some ink for my cart for my printer. Well, that printer thing's a ripoff. You buy the printer for a hundred bucks. And then you buy two cartridges for 70 bucks. Now I get it. They addict you and then sell you the ink. I mean, they're buying, I think it was 60 bucks for two cartridges. They only do 175 pages. I'm up there and this big old boy behind the counter, he's checking me out. He, and you could tell he wished he wasn't there. <laughs> hey, I wish I wasn't there either. And I, I, I went in my back pocket. I always carry tracks in my back pocket. I got some right now. Carry tracks in my back pocket. And I threw one of these tracks out of my back pocket. And I said, son, I grew up in the 60s when there was a lot of drug culture. And I, I did drugs and it was bad. And it wouldn't have been for the gospel that's on this track. I, I would have probably been long dead in hell. Would you, would you mind reading it, taking it home, taking a look at it? Man, he grabbed that thing. He said, look, and he brought it up to his face like that, started reading it. He said, I will. You don't know what God's doing with that boy. You don't know he's not going to get saved. People get saved. God works. You say, I haven't seen anybody saved in a long time. If you saw one person saved your whole lifetime and you kept giving the gospel faithfully, when you see Jesus, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You understood there was a cause. I told you to go in the world and preach the whole gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel to every creature. I didn't tell you how many were going to lead to Christ. Man, if we lived on results, we'd quit a long time ago. If a bus ministry lived on results, they'd have quit doing that a long time ago. But because of that, 61 people came to church today. 
I was good when we had 200. I was all over it. 200, 175 every Sunday, 160 every Sunday. When old, when old uh, Nick was bringing 60 in and brother, brother uh, Gillespie was bringing 55 in, there was this neck and neck combat, I mean, uh, competition between the two. It was beautiful. But hey, now they're neck and neck again, 1721 or whatever it is, or 1723. What a good, what a good encouragement. Hey, put your name on that Bible board so that you encourage somebody else to put their name on the Bible board so that you read it and you're encouraged by them and they're encouraged by you. Is there not a cause to read your Bible? Too many warriors for the gospel are neutralized from forgetting the biggest, the, the big picture and the cause, and it neutralizes them. They get cut off, cut up, they get they get caught up. I'm gonna get it right. They get cut, caught up in small things. They go to a local church, maybe have you ever entered a perfect local church? If you did, when you went in, you ruined the whole thing. You're not perfect. The local church is not perfect. The people in the local church are not perfect. We are carnal sometimes. We do stupid stuff sometimes. We have programs that flop on their face sometimes. But we're trying by the grace of God. Are there people in need of hearing the gospel or not? Are they dying every day, young and old, or not? Are we commanded to go and tell them the good news or not? Is there not a sense of urgency? We had a missionary one time come by and he wanted to go to, I'm, I'm going to say it was Frankfurt, Germany. There was a, it was a town in Germany. And he wanted to go to Germany to plant a church and see people saved and stuff like that. And I said, well, how are you going to do it? He said, well, in Germany, it's, it's, it's not legal or some sort of thing. It's not legal to go door to door. And he says, so I'm just going to start going to coffee shops to make friends with people. And, and you talk to people in the coffee shop and make friends with friendship evangelism, they call it. I'm for friendship evangelism. I'm for being friends and a long term, trying to win somebody to Christ, friendship evangelism. Nothing wrong with friendship evangelism. But that cannot be your only method of reaching people in Frankfurt. I said, how many people live in Frankfurt? He said, he said what the number was. And I said, they're dying too fast and your method is too slow. And we're not going to support you until you go back and figure out how you're going to get the gospel to the people of Frankfurt in a larger way, in a quicker way. And he said, okay, I'll do that. A year later, call me up and says, we got it down. We know what we're going to do now. I said, glory to God. People are dying too fast. Do we have an enemy that is strong and determined to defeat us? Man, we do. Like Hamas, our enemy will not fight fairly. Like Hamas, our enemy does not obey the Geneva Convention. Whoever came up with that idea. Like Hamas, uh, the devil doesn't care how he stops you. Like Hamas, he does not know how to get... He... he um, he knows how, if I should say, to get people at each other's throat. If he can get you in fighting, he stops the witness. If he can get you bitter, he stops the witness. 
If somebody doesn't shake your hand one time or somebody doesn't smile at you like they should, or maybe they insult you with a joke from the pulpit, who would do that? Possibly maybe Chris, but <laughs> don't you let a human being stop you for the, for the cause's sake. Don't you let anybody stop you. I determined long time ago that I was, wasn't going to get insulted out of the cause. I wasn't going to get abused out of the cause. I wasn't going to get mistreated out of the cause. Because Jesus never did anything to me. He's, he came to love me and save me and died on the old rugged cross for me. And maybe you don't love me like he loves me, but that's okay. You don't have to love me like he loves me. His love was enough to motivate me by the grace of God for the rest of my life. Now, I like it. Hey, I'm not a masochist. I like it when people like me. But I realize they're not going to like me. They don't even know. Sometimes the unsaved don't even know the urgency of themselves. They don't understand they're dying and going to hell. Sometimes they get I had them call me on the phone. The secretaries love to transfer the calls to me. Oh, we got another disgruntled. Okay, let me tell them. I got a phone. Man, you can't believe. I've had some emails sent to me. I appreciate it, girls, by the way. I've had some emails sent to me. They were so stupid, so nasty, so ridiculous. And I thought that poor soul does not know they're going to end up in a devil's hell someday forever and ever and ever. And they're mad because you put a piece of paper on the side window of their vehicle and it transferred the ink over to the window. Wow. How dare you, they say, put something on my vehicle. Oh, I'll do more than that. They don't even know they got a need. You do, though. You do. Hey, if it's legal, I tell them, look, the law says it's okay. You may not like it. If you want to duke it out when I'm there, go for it. I got in a face. I got in a, the face. I'm a little old for fighting. But I was door to door, and this guy, big old boy, came out. I was across the street already, witnessing to the folks across the street, and he came out. Hey, hey, are you the guy that put this? He held one of those Jesus. Jesus loves you. What a benign track. He should have got the one you put out, like you're going to die and burn in hell if you don't get saved. That one. <laughs> But I had this Jesus loves you track, and and, and I put it on his door. He 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 evidently was he wasn't didn't answer the door. wasn't there. He, eventually, he must. And he, my wife and I are together, and he comes up to me. He's a big old boy, and uh, he thought I was gonna be scared. I just walked up to him, and we were like he had his he had his nose about right here, his nose about right here, and he put his finger right up by my nose, almost touched my nose, almost touched my nose. Oh, you do, and he was telling me, I can't believe you do this. I don't know. I said, We do it because we love you. And of course, that takes you by surprise. I'm supposed to fight him, I'm supposed to kick him in the groin. <laughs> well, I fight dirty. I'm just like a moss. I fight to win, I don't fight by the rules. <laughs> and so. I thought, Lord Jesus, help me to be the representative I'm supposed to be, not who I want to be. <laughs> and so he, eventually the neighbors were looking, they were shaking their head at him. They said, I felt embarrassed by what he was doing. I said, we love you, man, we love you. That's why we come out here, we love you. I got things to do today. 
other than do this. I got places to go, people to see. I, I don't need to do this, but I want to do this because we love you. We love you. There's a cause. There's a cause. Do you want to end well? I do. I want to end well. Determine to let nothing cause you to quit the job God has entrusted you with. And one of those main, there's numbers of jobs God's entrusted us to do, very specific jobs God has entrusted us to do, but the general job is to go into the world and preach a gospel to every creature. Get the message out to as many as you possibly can. Like our brother Palmini is doing, got five churches going, God bless your soul. May that thing catch on fire. God bless you. I can't tell you enough how deeply appreciative I am of you giving your life and your wife giving your life for the Lord Jesus. I hope your kids pick that spirit up and turn catch on fire and, and spend their life doing just what you're doing because that fires me up and encourages me to see what's happening overseas. Why do we like missionaries? Missionaries encourage us. A healthy church can't be healthy without missionaries. If you don't have missionaries, you're looking inward. You'll fight and divide and fight and divide and fight and divide. But when you have a cause, you don't divide. For 44 years here at the gospel, we've not divided. Why? We've had a cause. Dig in for the long haul. Do not let other Eliabs poison you away from the cause. Shore up yourself against discouragement and trouble. Make the devil pry your cold, dead fingers off of the gospel. Miss Miley's not here tonight. She's been sick. She had the flu. But in a way, I'm glad she's not here because I'm going to talk about her. Remember when Miss Miley first came to Gospel Baptist in the early 80s? She'd been a missionary to Vancouver for a while, by the way. Been to Vancouver, was a missionary to Vancouver. And uh, she came down here. Her mom and dad lived down the road, a little house down the road, mom and dad, Arthur and Arthur and can't think of her name. Ethel. Ethel Miley. Ethel Miley. Anybody that ever knew Ethel Miley, she'd come out and start talking to you. Say, oh, it's good to know you. You're such a wonderful person. You just need to go get charged up. You got an electric vehicle, Brother Wally. Being around Ethel Miley was like getting charged up again, man. You were like, ooh, oh, I didn't know I was that good. My wife's never done that. Oh, there I go again. Miss Ethel Miley, Arthur and Ethel, God, good Christians, been in heaven a while. Miss Miley came and she says, I'd like to do so. I'd like to serve. I taught school. I'd like to do Well, we just were getting ready to start a school in 1986. Which immediately she started teaching junior church for us. We had 25, 25 kids or so in junior church. She wanted to teach junior church for us. She jumped right in, taught junior church for free. No pay. She was faithful as you could be faithful. She helped us in every way. When I'd get in the jam somewhere, we planned a vacation Bible school, and the person that was supposed to do it got sick or it canceled last minute. I knew I could go to Ethel, I, Carolyn Miley, and I could say, Carolyn, I had a cancellation, 
and I need you to teach vacation Bible school, and that's in two weeks. She'd say, I'll do it. It was always, I'll do it. Didn't even have to hear me out. I'll do it. Why? Her hands were on the plow. Hands were on the plow. Shut. She, uh, I figured up some years. She did, she gave Gospel Baptist Church so far 38 years of service. She gave Gospel Baptist Christian School somewhere around 25 years of service. She started out, we paid her $10,000 a year, uh, just enough for her to make it because we were broke. We had only 12 students. We started our first grade, and, and we were, and anybody, you'd ask me smiling, as an administrator, you know, I'm always trying to make us come out in the black. You, you don't understand the weight of being an administrator or something until you do it. You people are businessmen, you know what I mean. Payroll, coming to the end of the, you always got to make payroll, make payroll. And I said, well, we can, I don't think we can pay any more than 10000 She said, don't make any difference about the money. I'll do it for Jesus. Oh, that made my heart happy. And I said, oh, we're going to take care of you, Miss Smiley. Now, look, we're not going to take advantage of you. We will short term, but we won't long term take advantage of you. Short, short term, we may take some advantage of you. She taught for us till finally she couldn't teach anymore. She had many reasons to quit, many reasons to be discouraged. Many reasons to be disgruntled about her wages, about her benefits. Her benefits were eternal. Over her singleness, she so much wanted to get married. She so much wanted to have a family. She so much wanted to have children. You girls having kids. That would be her absolute dream of life is to have a child. No man, no child. Over her career, she was a caregiving burden for those around her. Why? Because she had a cause. The Savior who birthed her into the family of God, she was forever grateful to. And whatever he said to do, he, she'd do it. Wherever he said for her to go, she'd go there. Whatever he told her that she was going to work for, it wasn't important. As long as she could have a food and a place to live, that was what was important. She wasn't thinking, when am I going to, when I get old, will I have a 401k? When I get old, will I have money to retire? God was her retirement. She had a cause bigger than all that, bigger than personalities, bigger than petty problems. Now, she's not perfect. You've been around Miss Miley. You know she's not perfect. She's got all kinds of flaws, but just like you do. There are souls in the balance tonight. They're eternal, never dying souls at stake. Why do missionaries do what they do? Because they have a cause. God gave you a vision. He gave you a cause. Told you to do it. Lay your life down. Lay your life down. A lot of these missionaries could come to America, uh, be successful in whatever they put their hands to do, be financially successful and have all kinds of comforts and money. They're in, they're in places of, of discomfort. Many of them, no AC. I don't know whether you've ever had a power outage in the summertime. Boy, it helps you out. It helps you. I've been to Haiti where they have no AC, and I think of the people, Dr. Ann Livingston, which is going to be here at the end of this month, to give us a thank you for supporting her for 40 years in the ministry. She's retiring because Haiti closed. The ministry in Haiti is closed. 
She spent most of those 40 years, in fact, all of those 40 years, except when she was in the United States, with no AC. No AC. You guys got AC in, in uh, Philippines? No. I tried to sleep when I visited. Tom, you know what I'm talking about. You go there to try to sleep, and your sweat rolls up on you, and, and then it rolls off. It tickles when it rolls down your side. It tickles. What, you, what, plus, you think of bugs crawling on you. Spiders everywhere. And man, we had, and I, I wake up and I sweat and wake up, sweat and wake up, sweat and wake up. I was dead tired, so tired. Get up in the morning, and it's hotter in the day. I thought these people are down here doing this for Jesus. A medical doctor, uh, Ann Livingston, American board certified surgeon down in Haiti. Glory to God. She got the cause. She saw the cause. It was bigger than her. Eliab, he was a small man. David, he was a big man. He understood what this thing's really all about. I think David's answer to Eliab could be paraphrased like this. Eliab, I don't have time for you. Get out of the way. Leave me alone. I've got a giant to slay. Don't you let naysayers around you stop you from slaying the giant God's given to you to slay. Is there not a cause? Father in heaven, thank you tonight for the spirit of God. Thank you for the word of God. Help us, Father, help us, help us. This world is, is seductive. The world and all it offers us to take our time up is seductive. Help us to have eyes to see past that, through that. Help us to be witnesses wherever we go. Be willing to share our testimonies how we got saved. May 2024 be the best soul winning time we've ever had. May people be saved. May the Spirit of God convict people of righteousness, sin of judgment. Oh, Father, may tonight people in this room make a decision that they're going to be bold for the cause of Christ. They're going to fight their fear. They're going to fight their, their apprehension. They're going to fight their dread. They're going to do what God asks them to do and watch what happens. Like David, when he faced that old giant. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.